no, really, really pleased. I thought defensive effort was outstanding. You know, they, they got a little momentum when they put Gardner in there, and we were able to have that great goal line stand and kind of just put it to bed. And uh, offensively, we had a great start, and we moved the ball pretty good in the second half. We just didn't, didn't score any points. Once we got to the fourth and five, hindsight, might have tried a long field goal there, but I didn't want to give them the ball that far back. And uh, But uh, I'm really, really pleased with the effort and uh, finally getting two in a row. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother! When you hear the sound of the drum, we'll be saying, here we come. Yeah, here we come. Hey, here we come. Check our house, man. We're good. Kicking these balls. and you're missing out. Welcome back, Bucks fans, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Coming back at you today for episode number 87. The Buccaneers, finally, the first time this season, have won two games in a row. They went up against the Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday and pretty much dominated them. The final score in that 28-11 to the Buccaneers come home next week to play the Colts, but improve their record on the year to 5-7. First time all year we've been able to stack two up, and uh, it's a damn good feeling to talk about a win two weeks in a row here on CFP. So welcome back to the show. If you're new around here, I am your host, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, as always, my good buddy and co-host, Mr. Bucks Football, Evan Wanish. And Evan, how are you feeling on this Victory Monday, my friend? Feeling pretty good, you know. Um, there was another game where there was a time where it kind of felt a little bit in doubt. Yeah, um, I won't, I won't but, lie but especially in in the first half, I mean, uh, that was probably the best half they've played all year. So yeah, it, it really was to build off of last week, which is what we called a complete performance. Uh, they went out that first half of the Jaguars game, and they looked even more complete than they did a week before against yep. the division rival. I mean, everything was just turning out the way that it should have turned out, and they looked like a damn good football team. But we're going to break all of that down for you here today 
Plus, we've got some other fun stuff we're going to go over. Bucks won two in a row. We're in a good mood. So it'll be a good episode of CFP. Welcome back to the show. Now, every week we open things up with a thing we call the Stats Recap. I'm going to read you some stat lines that really jump out at me from the game on Sunday. And we're going to talk about those players who had a great day as well. Let's start it off with number three, Jameis Winston. We do it every single week. you got to talk about the quarterback because he is the hottest commodity on that offense. When he plays well, people love it. When he doesn't play well, people can't stand it. And even when he does play well, sometimes people still find ways to complain about it. But... Very quiet day for Jameis Winston. 21 for but 33. productive still. But productive, that's true. But 21 for 33, 268 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, two fumbles, one of them lost. Now, I said going into this game on the pregame show, I think it's going to be a conservative day from Jameis. I think you're going to see what we saw against Carolina the first time they played. You mm-hmm. know, I, I was thinking two touchdowns, zero interceptions, and less than 200 yards. But Jameis on Sunday, before halftime, had thrown 200-plus yards, but wasn't able to connect into the end zone. And, I mean, that's all good because you look at the product that was on the field. When you've got a defense that can play lights out and then a run game that can kind of get going. I mean, it definitely didn't get going as much as we would have wanted it to all year. And, of course, we'll talk about that because I'm a little upset with the running back situation. But overall for Jameis... No turnovers, no interceptions, except for the one fumble. But no interceptions, I'm happy. We won. You know what I mean? Who cares? He didn't Mm -hmm. put us in a position to lose. He wasn't the reason we thought this team was going to collapse in the second half. He went out there, did what he had to do, and we ultimately came away with a win. What would you think? Yeah. um, I said coming into the game, the team that that committed the most turnovers was going to lose, and... Lo and behold, the Jaguars committed more turnovers than the Buccaneers did, and look what happened. Um, you know, Winston, I thought he played well. It wasn't obviously a great game, but I thought he played well enough to win. Yeah. Uh, he didn't definitely didn't lose the game for him. He made some good reads, made some good throws. Um, a few throws where it didn't seem like like there was one, the one, the one to OJ Howard. Um, I believe it was on the first right before the first touchdown. Uh, if you look at it again, the the route that Howard is running, if Winston throws it a little bit more and a little bit farther outside, it's probably a touchdown, but whatever. Um, not going to really nitpick that too much, but overall, pretty strong game for Winston. Uh, offensive line was strong in the first half. Wasn't you know It started as the game wore on. Um, the offensive line started to not be as good. Uh, like especially late in the third, early fourth quarter, the offensive line started really started to struggle, which which hurt a little bit. Um, but overall, like I said, just a game where Jameis, you know, he's not going to have a lot of these games, right? There's, you know, if if you'd have told me that he would throw no interceptions and no touchdowns, I'd be like, ah, that's probably unlikely. I wouldn't be shocked, but I'd say that's probably unlikely just because of how he plays. Yeah, uh, and and this week was a was a true testament to that. I mean, even in the Carolina game that they won, it was conservative, Jameis sure, but he also he threw a touchdown. Yeah, uh, this one he did not throw a touchdown. I believe it might be the first game all year he hasn't thrown a touchdown pass. Um, so uh, it's definitely a, definitely a solid game for Winston. Not not perfect, but just solid enough. And like you said, when you have the defense like that, that's playing that well, the the only thing the best way to help out is to not turn the ball over and give him a short field and fortunately he only did that once and it was a 
kind of a weird like whole play, but whatever. Right. Yeah, it, it was hard to really put that on him 100%. But you brought up the offensive line. Great first half they had. A lot of the comments that I saw was pass protection looked really good for the first half of the game. And then mm-hmm. the other name that you brought up was O.J. Howard. O.J. Howard had himself a pretty good day as well. I think that day was exactly what he needed to really get his confidence headed back in the right direction because he showed up quite a bit uh, Sunday against Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah, I'm hopefully, you know, to translate into more. Uh, Winston and Howard seem to be on the same page on Sunday, and uh, another guy, Rashad Perryman. Um, yeah, he, he was, was actually, actually, I believe, was, the Bucks' leading receiver, right? Yeah, crazy, uh, right? He was actually <laughs> next on the stats recap, his stat line for Sunday. Five receptions and 87 yards. I, I mean, he was making plays. He made some pretty big catches. He had that one sideline catch that was uh, kind of controversial that, Ended up actually getting it, which was exciting because... Shouldn't have had a waste of challenge on it, but... You shouldn't have had a waste of challenge on it, but you kind of look at Brashad Perryman before when he was in a situation to get that sideline catch. We were yelling at our TVs because he just didn't have the awareness to get both of his feet in bounds. So, I mean, I'm not saying you got to commend him everything in the world because he was able to catch a ball in bounds with a nice little toe drag maneuver he had. He impressed me, and... uh I mean, the way he played on Sunday made you feel pretty good about that wide receiver three position. I think he's, I think he's proven his worth. Maybe he's coming into his own. Maybe he'll improve next week. Maybe he won't. Maybe this will probably be the biggest game he has all year. But definitely, I think, I think that's that's a safe bet. Yeah, uh, but the fact that he was able to get out there and, and make some plays and show up was definitely good to see. Now, those are your big playmakers on offense. This game on Sunday was all about the defense, so I'm going to throw some stat lines at you there. Let's start with the defense as a whole, and then we'll break down two guys who I think were really my defensive MVPs. The Bucks defense. Two interceptions. Three forced fumbles. Five sacks. And to top it all off, six points on the board. Throw a touchdown on there for them as well. Really, really good outing for the Bucks defense, and we kind of brought it up earlier. They showed up to play all four quarters of this football game, and they did one hell of a job. It started with the pass rush. We said they would have to show up, and they'd have to hit Nick Foles, who eventually turned into Gardner Minshew, and they were able to do that all day long. They pressured those guys and yep. made it pretty easy for the secondary to show up when they needed to. And and Minshew actually was able to escape a lot. So Yeah, he's um, shifty. Like, like the the Bucks had a good amount of pressure, um, so yeah, he was definitely he was able to escape. And if he wasn't, if that was Nick Foles, the Bucks probably have more sacks, right? Yeah, um, they had six last week. They probably would have had seven, eight, or maybe even nine this week. Is yeah, the the Jaguars' offensive line just could not handle the Buccaneers' defensive line. Um, you know, one thing I wanted to point out, you said about the turnovers, the Bucks had you know the first three Jaguars drives. It was three takeaways by the yeah. Buccaneers defense. That's what it was. Um, crazy. Like, but I mean, on, yeah, that's what it was. You know, three takeaways, three drives, three takeaways. That's you're going to win a lot of football games if yeah. that's and you know keep what? on that pace. Super Bowl champion quarterback Nick Foles got booed off of the field. I mean, well, I don't know. He, I, I honestly, I don't think, I don't think he's. As bad as he was on Sunday, I don't think he's actually that bad because no, I think I he's think actually so a decent. I think he's a decent quarterback. I like I don't Nick think, Foles. I'm a fan of the I, guy. I, yeah, I'm a big fan. Um, I don't think he's as good as he was in Philly. Obviously, in Philly, this, he found a magic that twice he found a magic that you just can't for some reason 
just everything just falls into place when he's there. Um, and wherever else he goes, he's just not as productive. So, um, but you know, I would argue, like I said, Jaguars offensive line was horrible. And honestly, looking at that game, besides Leonard Fournette, the Jaguars don't really have like DJ Chark's a nice little weapon. DD Westbrook's a nice little weapon. But Dede Westbrook I mean, had a bigger day than uh, DJ Chark did. Yeah, but I mean, you know, who's nobody scares you, and that's what we said on the pregame show. You know, nobody on that offense really scares you. So yes, like Nick Foles didn't have the greatest day, um, but Jacksonville. I don't know what you're going to do, right? Just, just speaking, you know, this is a Jaguars podcast now. So if they started, guard, they're going to start guarding Minshew now in week 14. It's a sticky situation. But, um, yeah, the Buccaneers definitely, definitely made Nick Foles look pretty bad. And, um, I mean, Gardner Minshew had his moments, but overall they kept him in check too. You know, it's funny too. You brought up Gardner Minshew on Sunday. I was acting like I was not scared of Gardner Minshew getting put into that game. And then once the commercial break came back from halftime and I saw Mustache Minshew Mania warming up with a helmet on, throwing passes, I did get a little bit scared. I, I did. And you texted me, too. You said, watch. You said, if they don't pull Nick Foles, Bucks are winning this game. If they put Gardner Minshew in, he's going to make it interesting. And it looked like that for a little while. Don't he did. They wrong. made it interesting. Yeah, they definitely did. I mean, Bucks still won by two possessions, so I'll take that for what it is. But I, I was a little nervous because Minshew and, and making that quarterback change at halftime. There's a lot of elements there, like and just, I mean, you can just you could just feel right. the entire energy of that stadium and the whole team just shift. Well, once that happened for for a little bit in the third quarter, every single person on Twitter was like, "Well, this is Bucks ball. They're about to blow this lead," and luckily they did not because Sean Murphy bunting. Had another. That's where really, it got really interesting. Yeah, Sean Murphy Bunting came up big with an interception, but overall. And almost caused a safety, but. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was nervous about that, too. He, like, stepped out and then went to go in and take a knee, and everybody in the bar I was at was screaming, No, 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 no. It was a good time, but overall, he uh, he helped the Bucks out there in that situation. But the Bucks defense as a whole kept the Jags in check. Now, there's two guys whose stat lines I want to go over, and then we can talk a little bit more about this game. Devin White, number 45, first-round draft pick from this year, taking it number five. Dude, he has been showing up and showing out. Seven tackles, one interception, his first career interception, and then one fumble recovery for a touchdown. What can't this guy do? If he hadn't yeah. missed those games, he'd be defensive rookie of the year, no doubt. I uh... Be going up against stiff competition there, Nick Bosa, Josh Allen, but um, and Josh Allen had on, a really nice day as well. But you know what? I'm waiting on the day that I throw out a bold prediction, and you're just like, "Yeah, man, I think so too." <laughs> Maybe one day. Maybe one day. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's the Devin White they drafted, right? Uh, absolutely. That when they drafted him, that's the type of player they had in mind. The guy who can just change a game is explosive. And just a big difference maker on on the defensive side of the ball, and he's shown up the past three four weeks, honestly. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's funny when a guy's not hurt, he's normally a better football player. <laughs> Who would have thought, right? Who would have thought? Crazy. Now, the other guy on that defense that really sticks out is a very familiar name among Bucks fans, and it's good to see him have as productive as, as a day as he did. That is number fifty eight, Mister Shaq. 
Barrett. Seems like that's every week now. So. Yeah, right? His stat line for the day, three tackles and then two sacks. Now, wasn't a blockbuster day. I mean, two sacks is two sacks. Don't get me wrong. But uh, the reason I bring him up is because not only is he now first place in the NFL among sack leaders with 14 and a half, but he's two and a half sacks away from Break Simeon Rice's record. It's it's Warren Sapp's record. Warren Sapp's record. You got me there. <laughs> Either way. Um, I mean. You, you think he can do it? I think he can. I don't know if he will. Ah, because, because it's it's two it's two to tie it, I believe. Yes. Three to break it. So there's four games left. All right, I'll say he will break it. Yeah, I I think he can, man. I got a good feeling about it. And listen, I'm not I'm not saying he can. I'm saying he will. Okay. Saying, right. Right yeah. 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 Throw some bold predictions yeah, there out go. there. There you go. Okay, Hell yeah, he that's what we're all about here. But Shaq Barrett showing up and showing out as always and showing us and hopefully the rest of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers organization exactly why he needs to get paid this coming yeah. offseason. Well, I mean, one, no one little one note I had about that because I know that's going to be a big question for a lot of people over the the past the next couple of weeks. Um, the contract that he's going to receive, obviously it's going to be a long-term deal. But like per year, probably I think the best like example deal is probably Chandler Jones's deal with Arizona, and he's making about sixteen million. Um, so yeah, he's gonna get paid. He is gonna get paid, especially. I mean, if this guy ends up, if he ends up in the sack leader and gets Defensive Player of the Year, he's gonna get paid. Um, so I think anywhere from like sixteen to 19 million i think it's gonna be somewhere probably around like 17 and a half 18 million dollar a year range uh for shaq barrett and i would assume right now if i had to bet i would say it's a pretty good chance he's back in tampa next year hey i love it he even said after the game i'm sure some reporters have asked him but there's comments going around that he said he would like to be back and, yeah but uh, what's he supposed to say no i get that no, it's not no, like the, it, yeah the, the, this place sucks let me let me weigh out my <laughs> options no i get it what else is he supposed to say but, um, th- no, the fact is that if they can make something happen, you'd love to see it. I'm sure he would love to stay here in sunny Tampa where it is 82 degrees on Thanksgiving Day. He loves it here. And uh, I think with the team that B.A. is building, they're going to talk him into staying, and hopefully they can get some contract talks going and make that situation happen. They have already honest. talked to him about, like, they've been doing that. Oh, yeah. Um, So I, I would it. expect, like... Probably mid-February or so, late February, I think, uh, I would see a deal uh, probably done. Yeah. People worry about big money being tossed oh at players. Yeah. And, well, you know, to win big, you got to spend big. Yeah. Okay? Like, you're not going to – you, you got to eventually pay guys, okay? You, you can't you can't say, oh, you're productive. Can you please stay for cheap? No, that's not how this works. <laughs> Right? We'll get you a lifetime uh, supply of those Popeye's chicken sandwiches people keep yeah. talking about. If, if Shaq Barrett had eight or nine sacks on the season, then he's and he's asking for $14, 15000000 million, then that's different. Then you're like, whoa, like, like that's crazy. This dude is leading the NFL in sacks right now. There's no reason, and he's a pass rusher. There's yeah. no re- he's 27 years old. He's still in his prime. There's no reason this guy shouldn't get a four-year deal worth, worth like 17 a year. No. And he's earned it. You're 100% right. You look at the cap situation the Bucks have. Last time I looked. Plenty of money. Yeah, they're going to have all the money in the world. And, yes, at the same time, the Buccaneers do have 19 free agents that are going to be hitting the market mm-hmm. this season. They're going to want to hold some of those guys down, but be prepared to let some of those guys walk as well. But I think yep. they have enough money, and 
enough brain power, hopefully, to figure out which guys need to stay and which ones need to not be here anymore. Shaq Barrett is definitely it right on now. that list. I'm checking it right now, but I think they have around $90 million yeah. projected um, in the 2020 offseason. So let They're me definitely just a confirm. top five team in cap. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it's much different than than this past off season, uh, where they were really cap strapped. So yeah. So right now, according to SpotTrack.com, they are the fourth ranked uh, team as terms of cap space for the next off season. Number one is Indy, and they are they have a decent team too. I don't yeah, they know do. How they have 108 million hours of cap space. Jesus. But anyways, Tampa has uh, projected 93 million hours in cap space. So. If they truly want to keep Shaq Barrett, they will have no problem keeping Shaq Barrett. That money won't be an issue. Yeah, you're 100% right. We'll just have to see what happens when the time comes, but definitely <clears> exciting <throat> times to have a talent like Shaq Barrett in Tampa. We'll have to see what happens, but of course, we'll be here talking with you guys about it when the time comes. So let's talk a little bit more about this game on Sunday, because so far everything's hunky-dory. Bucks win two in a row, five and seven, feeling great. But there's a few things that I take issue with. Now, okay. the first is the offensive play calling in the second half because mm. we have preached for weeks now, Byron and B.A., do not take your foot off the gas pedal because that is how teams who were down 25-0 to zero get back into the football game. And what happened? Jaguars made a uh, position change at quarterback. Minshew Mania gets back into the game. And all of a sudden, Bucks are giving up field left and right. Um, and then on offense you're really just not making anything happen. You know, there isn't a rhythm like there was in the first half. There's just not the aggressiveness that you would like to see. One more touchdown in the third quarter would have put the game away. Like, it's yeah. as simple as that. You get up 30 points on a team with a quarter and a half left, they're not going to win. Even if you let them score their next four possessions. You know, it's like, I, I don't know. The aggressiveness uh. just was not there, and I think it's a common trend that we have seen. Luckily, it didn't bite us in the ass this Sunday because, again, Bucks still won by two possessions, but you just don't want to see that, man. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit there. Okay. Uh, because a lot of you will say, oh, my God, like they took their foot off the gas, foot off the gas, this and that. Look, so the first Jaguars, the Jaguars got the ball to start the second half. Gardner Minshew came out, went three and out, okay? The Bucks got the ball. It was a run, pass run and fourth and one they did a qb sneak with winston which gained four yards then the next play they threw the ball and winston ended up running it for 16 yards then the next play they called another pass which was the fumble that's not being conservative you're right then the jaguars off the short field got a field goal and then they the bucks ran ran pass which you know, is kind of conservative, yes. Um, and then they, they ran it again. There was a penalty. Then they passed the ball. Then they passed the ball. Then they passed the ball. Then another run. Then a pass. Then a pass. And then it was sacked. So on their no another drive, they yet again were pretty aggressive they weren't it's not like they ran the ball every time a lot of people were acting like they were just running the ball and gaining one yard each time and then punting that's not the case and then you know the jaguars with unfortunately a short field because of a uh, a good punt which was just bad punt coverage yep. got the ball and were able to put it in the end zone 
Then the next play, they went three and out. And that one was a, a run, a run, and a sack, which um, unfortunately. And then there was the interception. And then they had the, the punt again. But my thing is, I, I look at it as they weren't too conservative. Like, And also, they went, I'm not sure which one it was. I think it was, it was this one. Yeah, it was this one. It was the one right before, um, actually, it set up the touchdown. That's right. They went for it on fourth and four. Yeah. Right. And, and, and mind you, they went for goal. it when they could have kicked the field goal. They, but they went for it, and that's—I mean—that's not being conservative to me. Um, you know, to me, that's being more aggressive. So I do think they did get a little bit conservative, especially you know after that interception, after the Sean Murphy bunting interception, when they just ran it right up the gut two straight times when they were on the goal line. Uh, I don't know why they refused to just throw the ball or anything, like a screen or something um, when they're on the goal line like that, but. I didn't really have much of an issue, and I got killed for it on Twitter. Um, but, hey, man, and I kept saying, I was like, you know, run the ball. Like, I kept saying that. Like, I didn't want them to pass all the time, right? Right. And everybody's like, what, what are you talking about? Like, this is, why, this is why they lost the Giants game and this and that. Look, the Giants game, the defense was a sieve. Mm-hmm. This game, your defense is good. So, yeah, I understand you don't want to give their offense a lot of opportunities. But when your defense is playing good like that, have faith in your defense that you can get a stop. You know, the Giants game, you in that, especially in that second half, you didn't have much faith that you were going to get a stop. You yeah. just didn't. Well, uh, I'll say this. I'll uh, I'll admit to it. This is why I like having you on the show because you got me there. Like, I, I don't you, – you did kind of get me there. You kind of changed my mind about the way that things played out against the Jaguars. But you can't agree with me in the sense that we have seen this second half play calling get you conservative have. these past few weeks. I mean, yeah, I, I think – Atlanta, you really didn't. Um, I think Atlanta, they just they just kept firing it. Um, yeah. And maybe you know, looking at that first drive, the Bucks' first drive in the second half, which ended in a fumble. You know, like I said, they passed the ball. I believe they ran it twice and passed it like four or five times. Maybe that changed their mind. It was like, ooh, like maybe we gotta be a little more conservative, right? Right. These, you know, a turnover. I mean, that gave them a short field, and that gave the Jaguars their first points of the game. Yeah. Uh, the Bucks were past midfield at that point when the fumble happened, or right around midfield. So they were potentially going in to score another uh, point and weren't able to get it done because of a turnover. So maybe Byron Leftwich and company looked at that and said, ooh, like maybe maybe we could should be playing this a little bit more conservative. But, I mean, I do agree, especially in the Giants game. The Giants game was the worst because, I mean, man – Man, that that Giants, you know, a lot of you talk about like winning out and stuff, which I think is very, very unlikely. Um, and like, but man, if they would end up winning out but still missing out in the playoffs, that Giants game is going to be the difference. Year. Well, yeah, game if you win out, you finish nine and seven, and then of course with the Giants it, game, swinging a missed field if, goal the other way. Yeah, literally a missed field goal. It's not like you just played poorly in the Giants. I mean, you played poorly in the second half, but it's not like you didn't have a chance to win. Right. Like, you missed a, a makeable field goal. That would really, really sting. And let's say they do win that game. Right now they're sitting in a situation where they're 6-6. Six and six. Of course, you're still in the hunt for the playoffs. I mean, you'd have to win out, of course. But even at nine or 5-7, uh, and seven, if the Bucks win out and the Vikings <laughs> lose out, boom, we're right back in it, baby. Boom. Wow. In the hunt. 
All right, let's let's chill. Let's uh, let's move on here. But I mean, I appreciate you keeping me in check there. I didn't look at it that way, and uh, I'll admit when I'm wrong. And I was wrong. I don't, I, don't, I wasn't saying you're wrong. I'm just offering a different perspective. No, 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 hundred no, like, percent. My I, I perspective of the play calling in, in this game. I got you, and I'm sure a lot of other people will understand as well. Thanks for laying that out for me that way. Now, another thing that really grinds my gears about the game on Sunday: Ronald Jones got benched. Now, with a 25-point uh, lead halfway through the third quarter, Bucks quarterback Jameis Winston dropped back to pass. The Jaguars blitzed, and Ronald Jones failed to pick up the blitz. The play resulted in the Bucks' only turnover. After that play, Ronald Jones did not see the field. Now, the quote that we got from Bruce Arians goes as follows. He said, Peyton Barber had the hot hand. He okay. was out there making plays, and he did a better job in the blitz pickup. Ronald Jones missed the blitz pickup, and that's it. You don't get to play anymore. It's simple. I don't buy that one bit. Number 44 misses two blitzes a week, and he continues to get snaps in the red zone. I don't understand why one mistake mm-hmm. by Ronald Jones. Yes, it did lead to a turnover. I get that. But one mistake. By a guy who, at least in my eyes, and I'm sure a lot of other people, has proven that he is the starting back. Mm-hmm. It's just moves like this that really makes me think they're losing confidence in him. Because even I, before I, then, he wasn't really getting the carries that I wish he did. And he wasn't going anywhere. Granted that, he was not getting anything going at all yeah. against the Jags. Like, running the ball, he just did not show up. And Peyton Barber had two touchdowns. He had a hell of yep. a day. So I, um, I, I get it in that sense, but I think one mistake to sideline a guy for the rest of the game, it just didn't seem right to me. I don't think they're losing confidence in him. I just think they want to not baby him. Uh, I think, and I've seen there was a lot of like outrage after that quote came out, yeah. but then like a little bit afterwards, there was a lot of people like saying like, "Oh, it's okay." Like Tiki Barber quoted it. And said like that's it like that like that's like I, I love this from Coach Arians and stuff you know running backs got to do the dirty work too and this is a, that's a former running back speaking himself right um, and he's you know he agreed with Arians that hey you missed a blitz pickup that big that led to a turnover you're gonna sit right um, and a lot of the got pure report guys uh, you know said you know like Scott Reynolds said he hopes that you know Todd McNair is in there with the, the running backs coach. Um, he hopes that he talks to Ronald Jones and asks Ronald Jones, "Hey, was was that fun? Was that was that fun sitting on the bench? <laughs> I think I, I know you got to see a win, but you know it was, that was a lot of fun riding the bench, huh? So don't do that again, and you'll be able to play football. You know, you, you weren't he, he Reynolds basically said, you know, you're you're not really you're more of a cheerleader right at that point than a football player. Yeah. Um. So you wanted you didn't really feel like you were a part of the win. Uh. One thing I will say though. One of the you brought up Dario Gawala and so one of my biggest gripes is to me I don't know I don't think the Bucks throw enough screens or just like plays where they just run everybody out because it always seems to work it worked a bunch in the Arizona game with Ronald Jones um, there's a screen I believe like forty yards or whatever on the in the Giants game with Ronald Jones so late in the third in the I mean in the second quarter. The Bucks had the ball, and they had the ball on the Jacksonville 13-yard line. And what the Bucks did was they they snapped the ball, and they threw a screen to Dario Gonzalez, gained six yards. 
Jacksonville took a timeout. The next play was incomplete, and the Bucks ended up kicking a field goal. You mean to tell me that Ronald Jones can't get that ball? That's like, what I'm saying, why, man. Why, why can't Ronald Jones just get that ball? Like, I know that Ronald Jones, and honestly, Ogunbowale is probably a better pass catcher because while Jones has improved, you know, he's he still, like, I don't think he'll ever be like this elite pass catcher running back. Um, but, I mean, you're talking about explosiveness. Dario Ogunbowale gave you six yards there. That's decent, right? Six yards is decent chunk. But Rojo gets you 10-plus. Well, maybe, you know, but he, he just has the, the potential to maybe do that. Ogawale really doesn't. Rojo can maybe make a guy miss, break a tackle or two, maybe, and that, that six yards turns into nine, ten yards. And then all of a sudden, the third down goes from a third and it was a third and six. Now it might be a first and goal maybe, and you score a touchdown. Oh, yeah. You know? So and, and I don't understand why they're not getting him more involved in the passing game, really. And I think there are, because... Look at the last time that he was, you know, a major receiving back. I look at the Arizona game, 77 receiving yards for him that day. Mm -hmm. And uh, that Arizona game, aside from the bumbling fumble, was a pretty good day overall for him. Which is a bad fumble. Yeah, it was was pretty bad. But just like you said, I don't know why Ronald Jones isn't getting thrown those screens because there are so many times where I see Ogunbowale or even – Peyton Barber, what did they run against? Uh, what did they run against Jacksonville? It was that little sweep, like the running back sweep toss. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And yeah. they ran it with Peyton Barber, and it got exactly yeah, zero I yards. Yeah. I don't know why they don't run it with Ronald Jones with against any team, really. Though, right? Like, they don't run a toss enough, I don't think. And I tweeted that I was like, they don't run it at the right times. They don't run it with the right player. Yeah. But there are countless times where you see on a screen to Ogunbowale, he makes the catch, and yeah, he has a hole. But he's just not fast enough to get away and break through that second level of defenders. And and Ronald Jones, you put him in that situation, he's going to get there. And just like I said, he's going to get you 10-plus in a situation like that. But I I don't know. Weird situation. And I kind of like the angle that you took with um, Ronald Jones getting benched. I do agree with you. It is kind of a learning thing. You know, they don't want to baby him. They want to make sure that he understands this is how football works. And if you can't do your job, then can't do your job. You know what I mean? Like It's part of the job. Exactly. It, it is. If you want to be an every down back, yeah, pass block. I get it. I get it. Hopefully we can see him get a little more carries next week against Indianapolis. I really, really hope you he will. can just get that. Yeah, but every single week we talk about how he needs to get 20 carries, and every single week it turns into him getting 12 and Peyton Barber getting 14. And it, I, I, I mean, Barber, this is the first time I think in a little bit that Barber's out got more attempts than him, right? Oh, yeah. Well, Barber, he had 10 more attempts. I think Barber had, what, 17 attempts? And so, Rojo yeah. had, like, five or six. Well, Barber, Barber had a lot because at the end there, obviously, like I said, right. they were just trying to. But, I mean, Ronald Jones out, outrushed Ronald uh, Peyton Barber in the Falcons game. Um, in the Saints game, in the Saints game he did. But, I mean, they didn't. Wow. They didn't rush Peyton Barber at all in the Saints game. I mean, I don't, I knew they only, that was the game they only ran the ball eight times. But, yeah. I mean, Ronald Jones had four, Ogawale had two, Winston had two. Wow. So, I mean, typically, Ronald Jones gets more carries than Peyton Barber. It's just that I think that a lot of fans really want to see that big Rojo game, right? And yeah. the thing is, I don't know we why. We thought Arians, it was going to be this it, one, too. I don't know. Well, if there was anyone, because Jacksonville's defense was just so horrible. And, I mean, give credit to them. Right, they were stacking boxes yeah. and everything, and there wasn't. It's not like Peyton Barber went off. I mean, yeah, he had two touchdowns, but I mean, 
there was no not much room to run. Yeah, um, and that's with missing Miles Jack. That was a huge guy who was inactive before that yeah. game uh, in the run defense for Jacksonville. So yeah, just like you said, kudos to them. Yeah, uh, but so the thing is, the Arian says that the Bucks are a running run first football team. I, I don't. If you watch the film, that's not the case. <laughs> Because they're throwing the ball way more than they run it every single week, and some of these times they're up, like they're up in the they're yep. up in the ball game. Um, you know, you're not a run first team then. Like you're you're not a run first team is the Tennessee Titans. Yeah. They give Derrick Henry the ball so much, and look, they're on a three game win streak right now, and Derrick Henry's been on fire these past three weeks. Absolutely, they that's a run first They embarrassed Indianapolis, and that's crazy because I was picking Indy to win that game all I day. I picked Indy as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, man, you just kind of look at what's presented. I don't think the Bucks are a run-first team. I don't think they're going to develop that identity, at least for the rest of this season. But, of course, we have to see how things play out week in and week out and leading into next season. So, those are my two big gripes with the game. If you have any, leave them in the comments section down below. Now, the next thing we're going to jump into is a little bit more fun. Actually, um, we're going to jump into something else first, and then we're going to jump into something that's a little more fun. But... If you guys have been paying attention the past few weeks on social media and, of course, here on the show, I've been telling you, send us an email. If you want to get involved in the show and really let your voice be heard, send us an email, canonfirepodcast at gmail.com. Of course, we will open your emails and read them every single week here on the show. So we have an email question from Gil in California, and uh, Gil asks this. He says, with how much these young secondary players are improving – do you guys think we'll develop them, re-sign Shaq Barrett and maybe Carl Nassib or JPP instead of pursuing a veteran defensive back in free agency and then maybe draft O-line on top of it? Love the show, guys. Go Bucks. First off, Gil, go Bucks. But um, I think the Bucks have enough money to really do all of those things. <laughs> like, call me crazy, but I don't think they have to forego a veteran defensive back. Maybe you won't get an all-star like you're shooting for, but I don't think they have to worry about foregoing a certain position to address a need like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I'm not going to call you crazy because I agree. Um, <laughs> unless both of us are crazy then sure. But somebody else can call us that in the comment section. Um, so yeah, I, they have the money to be able to do all those things. Um, I, the smart thing would be to to still add a veteran because yeah. you need a veteran at some point. Like you just do. I'm sorry, but I mean, there are three. You know, honestly, the secondary really didn't look that great against the Cardinals, which was a win. Cardinals aren't that great. Um, the Falcons, which have a good receiving corps, but uh, Julio Jones was out for a good amount of that game, and the Falcons are just bad. And you look at the they, good games they've had before. You've made this point here on the show. It all starts with the pass rush, man. Yeah. I just don't know. Look at a game like New Orleans. Like that. I mean, they could have used a, not maybe a true number one shutdown guy, but just a veteran who's been there before, done that. And right now they just don't have that. So I think it would be wise of them to try and re-sign you know, a guy like Shaq Barrett, Carl Nassib, Jason Pierre-Paul, and also, like you said, maybe not go after the cream of the crop, like a Chris Harris or something like that. But like I said, I brought up a bunch. Maybe a guy like Trey Waynes from Minnesota uh, could be a nice little number two or maybe even a fringe number one corner. 
um, for you, and he won't cost as much as those guys probably. So he's an interesting name to watch. Um, I, I don't, I don't think they're going to be as aggressive now because What's I think that they're really starting to uh, impress the coaching staff. But we'll see. What's your opinion on Byron Jones out of Dallas? Yeah, he's depends on the money. I, I, I would pursue it, but like, if the money's close, I'd probably prefer Wayne's. Um, but I mean, if like if Wayne's is asking for like a little bit more, like Byron Jones would be a fine get. Like he could be your number two corner, and honestly, like you could see, like you know, Carlton Davis. Like we, I still don't know about him because he still is up and down a lot. Yeah, I'm pretty well in on Jamel Dean, uh, and Sean Murphy. One you still don't know about. So I think the Bucks have one like real like in my opinion, good corner. Yep. Carlton Davis and Sean Murphy Bunting can be good. I'm just not completely convinced of that right now. I think Sean um, Murphy Bunting is the guy back there who, to me, looks like he's taking the most steps to kind of get to that next level where he can yeah. be better than he is now. Um, I mean, the guy's got two interceptions so far this year, and he's been playing pretty good. Yep. The, um, well, the goal the goal should be, of the Bucks secondary, the goal should be not to put Ryan Smith out there. So. Yeah, um, really. <laughs> so, I mean, let, let's say they, they sign Trey Waynes. So your your corners are Carlton Davis, Trey Waynes, Jamal Dean, Sean Murphy Bunting, Ryan Smith, sure, maybe a draft pick in there. Um, and I think that's pretty solid, and it would be an improved secondary. Um, underrated thing, I think they might need another safety uh, opposite of Jordan Whitehead because right now they have Andrew Adams and Mike Edwards. I think Mike Edwards needs a little bit more time, um, and Andrew Adams just isn't a long-term starter. So and then of course you got a, Justin Evans in the mix, but we brought him yeah. up last time, and he's just so uncertain right now. Yeah, you can't you can't rely on him. So I think maybe adding a guy like a Trey Waynes, and then maybe a like a safety, haha, Clinton Dix, maybe somebody like that um, would be beneficial. But I mean, they can do they can sign all three of those guys and still sign a corner. Um, then the other point uh, you brought up, Gil, is uh, the offensive line in the first round. Yeah, I, I think all offensive line or defensive line in the first round is what is the way to go, and that's the way I think they'll probably go. But it all depends on who's on the board, of course. Absolutely. So we just have to th- uh, see how things play out. Looking at the draft, the way they're going to finish, I'm anticipating the Bucks to have a pick between 10 and 20, maybe you know between no, 10 that's and 15. Wide. I was about to say it's a pretty wide range. Yeah, yeah, I don't know about ten and twenty, but ten and fifteen is really where I'm thinking their range is. For if I year. had to guess right now, I'd say twelve. Okay, but you kind of have to see where they end up, who's going to be on the board, and of course how things play out. But Gil, thank you for your question and thank you for listening all the way in California, man. That's pretty awesome. But if you guys have any questions or you want to make a comment, get involved on the show. Let your voice be heard. Send us an email, cannonfirepodcast at gmail.com. Of course, we will open them and look at them every single week. Now, let's move into something fun that I teased, right? So, Bucks won two in a row. We're in a good mood. We're feeling good. Let's do something fun and mix it up a little bit. I posted on our social media. By the way, if you want to follow us there and interact with the show, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, all of those can fire podcasts. You can find us just by searching the name. Go check it out for all the latest updates on the show. But I posted this thing, and I had a personal story about Alex Kappa, and it was just really embarrassing for me. Like, it, it just immediately left me red-faced, and I know that I've told the story here on the show probably two or three times, but I'll tell it again for anyone who is unfamiliar. So... One of the most embarrassing interactions I've ever had with a Bucks player was with Alex Kappa. It was before the Steelers game last year on Monday Night Football. 
he and OJ Howard were walking into the stadium over by where all the players come into, and I walk up to him. I didn't know that he was inactive for that game. I don't know why it didn't click. I think it's because I saw him and OJ Howard that I was like, oh my God, like I got to go, you know, say what's up because I'm a big fan of Alex Kappa, even bigger fan of OJ Howard. So I walk over there and I walk up to him and I say something along the lines of like, oh, go kick some ass there tonight, man. And he just stared at me and then just kept going. And it was the most awkward interaction that I've ever had. So I posted on social media and I said, if you guys have an embarrassing buck story, let us know in the comments below. So we're going to talk about some of those Buccaneer stories today and uh, see who has the most embarrassing story of them all. Let's start right off of the bat with probably the most interesting one. And uh, you'll find out why here in a second. It comes from our friend Otisim. I think that's how you pronounce it on Instagram. He says, Raiders and Bucks game from 10-30-2016 where we lost in overtime. He was sitting on the Bucks sideline about sixth row from the field. Defense made a good stop. And he gets up and he's yelling, good job defense, keep it up. According to him, Gerald McCoy turns around and yells at him and says, you can't do that. And that's where the story ends. So uh, he posted that in our comment section and a few hours later... Someone by the name of Gerald McCoy responded <laughs> and said, man, stop lying. I ain't never done that in my life. You're clout chasing. Don't lie just to lie. I loved our fans and all the support we received. If I said that, no way was I talking to you. Stop with the BS. So uh, I guess Gerald McCoy just came out to tell us that that first story is a lie. So forget you even heard it. and Do what you wish with that information. We're not really going to spend too much time talking about a Panthers player on this show. But uh, there is your first story, even if it's not true. Kind of, inter uh, kind of interesting, the interaction that went down. The next story we have comes from Will underscore 6767. He said, I went to the Bucks game versus the Rams, and after the game, I went over to the tunnel, and William Golston gave me his gloves, but I didn't realize he was giving them to me, so I kind of shook his hand with the gloves in his hand. And he was super confused, and he even asked me if I even wanted the gloves. And then I realized he was trying to give them to me. He said, I was caught in the moment, and it was hella awkward, but if he got the gloves, that's cool. I never found out if he got them. I'm assuming he did. Yeah, but, uh, I, I, I can just think about that right now. Oh, man. Oh, that's got to be pretty awkward, dude. <laughs> I, I get it. You're starstruck seeing some of these guys, especially if, you know, if you're at the Rams game, I'm presuming you live in California and maybe you don't see the Bucks play live that often. It's a big deal, but that's another one of those that just kind of makes you cringe. Oh, man. So our next story comes from Ms. Love Delight. She says it's actually at a basketball game. It's not even anything to do with a Bucks game, but it's at a basketball game. She says, it was the last game of Michael Jordan's career against the Orlando Magic. After the game, she ran into Warwick Dunn. Her mom is with her, and her mom tells Warwick Dunn that my daughter has such a big crush on you. Let me take a picture. So, of course, she's embarrassed. She says, he was so gracious, though, smiled and let my mom take the picture. And only to find out later, the picture never came out because her mom didn't press the button all the way down on the camera. Uh. <laughs> So one of these days, oh, she man. hopes to track him down and take another. That's that's. I mean, that's a two-parter, man. Not work, only work if you're listening to this, buddy. Yeah, right. We got somebody needs your help. Not only do you have your mom humiliate you in front of work, oh, done. apparently man. her childhood crush, 
and then to find out that the picture isn't even there and the proof doesn't that exist. But work done. He's a stand-up guy. And actually, I'm sure you were watching the uh, the game on Thanksgiving, the Saints and the Falcons. Did you see the halftime piece on work done? I saw a little bit of it, yeah. He, he really is a stand-up guy. What he's doing out here, giving homes to families. Yeah, I mean, 160-plus. He is really making an impact in his communities, yep. especially around Atlanta. But a really stand-up guy and a pretty good story regarding work done. Now, we've got a few more stories, but Evan, I wanted to toss it to you. Do you have any embarrassing Buck stories, like stuff that <sighs> happened and you just kind of wish it didn't? Like, you wish you could take it back? I don't know. Like, I, I guess not really, maybe not kind of embarrassing, this maybe kind of like cringy, like annoying little <laughs> little 12-year-old fan, sort of. Let us know. So, so it was my first Bucks game. Um, actually, it was my first Bucks game in Raymond James Stadium. I, I'd been to a Bucks versus the Eagles game in Philly, but before was that, that but, the, uh, was that the forty-five to thirteen no, blowout? Oh. No, no, no. That was no. The Bucks, the Eagles ended up beating the Bucks in that one. Um, That's a bummer. So it was two thousand twelve, and Josh Freeman was the quarterback, and the Buccaneers won the game. And after the game, I guess Josh Freeman was doing like an interview, but not with not with like a reporter. Um, like it was like way like twenty minutes after the game or so, but there was no like reporter there. He just had one of them like headsets on, and you could uh, tell that he was talking to somebody. Right. Uh, and it was an interview, and uh, we were so we were sitting on the Bucks part, like Bucks side. So me and my sister go down to the rail, and my sister's just taking taking pictures and stuff. But I go, like I said, I'm twelve years old at this point. So, and this is like pretty cool for me because this is my first like home bucks game stuff like that right this one so i go like i just yell like i just keep yelling I'm like hey josh 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 like hey hey bud and he just gives me like the most like annoying stare like you know that stare like when like someone's annoyed with you but they won't like say it obviously like, like when you tell alex kappa to have a great game and he's not even dressing he, up that night yeah he just stared at me and i was like uh because I was like, I was like loud too, and like I was like raising my arm, like there was like people in front of me. I was like raising, my, like, oh, Josh, like, hey, hey, what's up? And yeah, he just like, he was just staring at me, like, <laughs> like what is going on? Like I was, I like, oh man, I was like, hello, Josh. I was like, oh god, yeah. So not really kind of embarrassing, really, because at the time, like, I didn't really care. It's not like he like responded or anything, but. Kind of just like, I don't know, like a little like cringy, I guess. Wish you could take it back. That's exactly what yeah, these if, stories if are If I for. had to go back, I would just be like, I wouldn't even say anything. i just watch. <laughs> that's pretty funny, man. But that's exactly what these stories are for. Embarrassing, not embarrassing. Just stuff you should, wish you could take back. Um, but it happens to the best of us. Now, we've got a few more stories here, and then we'll wrap things up and get out of here. Next one comes from Melissa underscore Brown. And she says, back when we had Vincent Jackson, we lost another heartbreaker. After the game, I told him, thank you for helping my fantasy team. And he definitely wasn't too thrilled about that one. I <laughs> <laughs> um, actually like met Vincent Jackson a few months ago at work. He came in on one of the weekend radio shows that I was helping out with. And, dude, he he's huge. Like I, I know yeah. we've kind of talked about this before, but he's, he's a big dude. Uh, but really, really nice guy, and uh, I imagine the age, uh, the age-old thing with with players and not really caring about your fantasy team. 
I can only imagine what he wanted to say to you after that. But yeah, that's he, he was good one. probably like, "Who gives a <laughs> yeah. you know about your fantasy team?" Yeah, right. It's something you hear every single year. There's always a player who's like, "I don't care about your fantasy team," but there's also some players who really try and help you out. So that's cool. But um, but pretty good story from Melissa. And the final story we have comes from Josh Twenty Two Murphy. He says, yeah, I went to training camp this year, and I was right next to Jameis, and I asked him to sign my jersey. He said he would come back to sign it, and then he never did. Um, it's actually kind of sad. Uh, I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I get where you're coming from, Josh, but if it's in the middle of training camp and these guys are practicing, you know Jameis. He's going to sign for all the crew members first, and then maybe he's going to run back to the locker room. So uh, I yeah. feel bad if he really it- did leave you hanging. Yeah, was it if it was like during practice? That it, right. I mean, he might have just forgot. I mean, he had a whole practice to go, and yeah, I mean, it, it, I feel bad for you, but at the same time, like, I, I don't know. Like, it's tough. It sucks you didn't get the autograph, but um, you know, don't don't blame Jameis on that one. Like I said, he's not. I'm not not trying to sound you know mean or anything, but you know, his his sole purpose <laughs> isn't to. No, I, I think I'm with you though. You kind of look at uh, this is a this is a situation where I'm going to give Jameis the benefit of the doubt. I mean, because, I probably would have forgotten. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm going to give Jameis the benefit of the doubt because come on, guys, look at Jameis Winston. Like, is he really going to cold shoulder some kid for an autograph? No, he's going to be the last person on the roster to do it. But Josh, there's always next year at training camp if you're really looking to get that jersey, or if you go into any of the games, hang out by the tunnel. And uh, they'll make sure they grab you on their way out. And then, mm-hmm. even if you miss them at the tunnel, you can go next to the pro team store. And that's the entrance right there where the players enter yep. and leave at the end of every game. So that 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 might be honestly your best shot. Yeah. If you can if you can get there, if you can get there pretty early and get like right up against the rail, you'll you'll have a good shot. Absolutely. I remember my first experience back on that rail was um, way back in 2010 season. We brought up Josh Freeman, right? I've got a uh, helmet in my closet that is a little replica Bucks helmet. It's like the old school, um, not Bucko Bruce, but the old logo. And, uh, I, dude, I filled that thing up with signatures. I've got to keep Tlaib on there, LeGarrette Blunt, Donald Penn. Um, Jeremy Trueblood was another one who was my favorite during that time. Josh Freeman's on there, Aurelius Ben, Mike Williams. All those guys are on that helmet. So uh, I definitely hold that near and dear to my heart. But a good spot to be if you're looking for some box autographs. You just have to make sure you get in front of the frauds who show up with a box full of merchandise because everybody oh my God. hates those guys. Yeah, those guys well, suck. Once you assign 30 pictures just so they can sell them for 40 bucks on eBay. Exactly. But ladies and gentlemen, that's all we've got for your embarrassing box stories. Thanks for everyone who uh, sent one in. It was actually a lot of fun talking about those and – really getting your stories out there. And if you have your own embarrassing buck story and we did not get to it, of course you can send us an email at cannonfirepodcast at gmail.com, but leave a comment in the comments section down below. Ladies and gents, that's just about going to do it for this week's episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you so much for listening or watching with video on YouTube or bucksreport.com. You can follow the show on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. You can find it just by searching the name. You can also follow myself on Instagram and Twitter at Redicus, and you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram and Twitter at Bucks Wave, as well as Twitter at Evan and FL. Now, before we really get out of here, of course, you already know it's coming. 
I got to give a special shout out to our sponsors at Pinecrest Printing and Signs. Now, if you're watching on our YouTube, you can see those beautiful CFP t-shirts that just loaded up onto your screen. All of those are courtesy of our friends at Canon, or uh, Jesus, uh, Pinecrest Printing and Signs. If you have an image for your business, they are prepared to make it happen for you in so many different ways. That you can start out small. You can do business cards, stickers, just like the ones you see for sale right now in front of you. They do apparel. You can do t-shirts. You can do pants. You can do hoodies. You can even do hats. If you want to really bump it up a notch, get up a little bigger. Do a banner. Do a vehicle wrap. Drive around with your business on your vehicle. It's possible they can make it happen at Pinecrest Printing and Signs. They've been doing it since 2001, helping businesses all over the Tampa Bay area. You can give them a call at 813-684-5444 or check out their website at pinecrestprinting.com. And, of course, before we go, have to mention, official CFP merchandise is for sale right now. If you're looking to order it, message us or send us an email, cannonfirepodcast at gmail.com. If you've been paying close enough attention, you'll see that myself and Evan are rocking the newest CFP t-shirts. I've got the red one. He's got the black one. We're looking fly. That's just how it is, man. If you want to look flies too, let us know. Social media, and then, of course, we will be taking your payments through Cash App and mailing you your shirts, merchandise, whatever you end up ordering. But big thank you to Pinecrest Printing and Signs, and big thank you to everyone who has ordered their CFP merchandise thus far. (sighs) What a mouthful. But I got through it. Buccaneers win. They stack them up for the first time this season. Heading into next week's game against the Indianapolis Colts. It's going to be interesting. And, of course, we'll tell you more about it on our game preview show this coming Thursday. As always, I am Rhett Matthew signing off for Evan Wanish, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Go Bucks! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.